With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are telling us both that we are literally all connected, that what you do to another person, you're actually doing to another aspect of yourself. So once the world awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's topic is Making Love to God with channel Tina Louise Spaulding. Tina has been a guest on Awake to Oneness Radio before. Um, I had the honor and pleasure of meeting Tina early in November, and we invited her back, and she is back with us today, and I'm so happy that she is here with us. Welcome, Tina to Awake to Oneness Radio. Hello again. Nice to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're back with us and that we're actually going to do a series of three shows. Um, You have channeled three books, and uh, it was your idea to have a show on each book, which I think is a great idea. So today we're we're starting with your first book. But before we get into the book, um, for those listeners who are unfamiliar with you, um, can you please share a little bit of your story with us and how you um, became a trans channel? Sure, no problem. Um, I, in my early 40s, decided I had had enough of the world pretty much a couple of divorces, and uh, I was pretty disillusioned with things, and I moved to a remote, uh, relatively remote island off Canada's west coast and uh, began to um, pursue my art uh, more seriously. Uh, But I was struggling a lot with my own inner world, and uh, lo and behold, a book came into my hands called A Course in Miracles, and I began to read this book, and as soon as I began to read this book, I began to feel shifts in my consciousness. Uh, Literally the first day I I could feel something was happening to me as I was reading it. I couldn't pinpoint what it was, but I started to have uh, interesting out-of-body experiences and um, bouts of this strange experience called peace, which I had never experienced before. And so I kept studying that book and uh, somewhat regularly, every few years, I would have uh, exceptional out-of-body experiences. Uh, complete experiences of oneness and all-knowingness. And it almost seemed like I was being given a taste of something to encourage me to carry on. Anyway, I I studied this book for a long time, about 10 or 11 years, 
um, and I was doing forgiveness practice, which is the fundamental practice of the book, uh, which means that you are uh, stopping the stories in your mind, you're attacking stories of other people and yourself and the world. And uh, I began to tackle some of the deep forgiveness issues I had around uh, my family and my um, with uh, certain family members. And uh, one evening, in a in a real, I got myself in a real pickle, um, very upset about a particular situation. But I began to pray, which is what I would do based on these uh, course principles. And I prayed to have my perception changed so that I could see the truth. This is a prayer that I use all the time whenever I get upset with something because when you're upset, it means that you're out of alignment with love. And so I said this prayer, please change my perception so that I can see the truth uh, over and over again. And eventually I had a vision and it was a valley. Um, a small village was in the valley. I could see a church steeple and it looked like an English valley. Um, and across this valley was a cobweb. And this was a very clear vision and a voice in my head who I didn't know who it was at the time, but it turned out to be Ananda, said that the thoughts and ideas that I had were contaminating my life, just like this cobweb was touching all the buildings in this town. And they said it was uh, touching my work, my family, my relationships, my health, everything. And the next morning I woke up with this tremendous sense of peace and saw that I had a couple of really negative sort of core beliefs about myself uh, that were causing all my suffering. Anyway, over the next six months, I said these prayers to change my way of thinking because I had had a very habitual way of looking at myself. And I really feel like this was the act, this sort of intense six months prayer practice was the act that kind of cleared out that last deep negative core belief and raised my frequency enough for Atlanta to come through. Anyway, one day, uh, it was the summer solstice of 2012, I was laying down for a nap. And that winter, I had been studying a lot of books on Tantra and Kundalini energy. And uh, I got this feeling at the bottom of my spine, like a big throbbing ball of energy at the bottom of my spine. And I immediately recognized it as Kundalini energy. And so I surrendered to what was happening. I wasn't afraid at all. I kind of knew that it was a big deal what was happening. And this ball of energy moved up my spine. And as this ball of energy moved up my spine, my body began to move spontaneously. It was like I was being adjusted. My hips would begin to move and my shoulders. And uh, as this energy, it was a very amazing feeling energy. It was very sexual in nature. And of course, this is part of this uh, subject that we're going to be speaking to today. It was an ecstatic sexual energy that, that moved up my spine. It took about 20 minutes to uh, slowly go up my spine. And then it burst out at the top of my head in what I can only call a, a full body orgasm. It was a pretty cool experience. And uh, then it started again. Uh, it did it three times in about an hour and a half. And uh, it was a mind-blowing experience. Uh, little did I know that that was going to happen to me every time I lay down for a month. I had this wow. experience every single time. And uh, I was, for that month, I was in a completely altered state of consciousness, at one with everything. I feel like for that month, I actually got to experience oneness. And uh, then as 
at the end of that month, I began to have this feeling somebody wants to say, somebody wants to say something to me. I don't know how that how I knew that, but um, I took a uh, I took an automatic writing workshop with a, someone who was also a channel. I had told her what was happening to me, and uh, very quickly that first evening, I began to write. Uh, first of all, it looked like uh, scribbles, and then it slowly looked more and more like handwriting. And eventually, about six or seven pages in, I began to write this word, Ananda, Ananda, Ananda. And Ananda means bliss. And that is exactly what I had been experiencing. And then later on that night, I sat down by myself. Uh, everyone else in the workshop had gone to bed. And I began to write. And they said, we are Ananda. We are your teachers. And this is your life's work. You are going to be writing books for us. And wow. uh, that was my introduction to them. So it was a wild, month-long, ecstatic ride into channeling. Wow. And that was wow. how it started. <laughs> exciting. Very exciting. Wow. Yeah, it was and a pretty so intense uh, month. Experience, yes. Well, um, you, you mentioned the, the book, A Course in Miracles. Um, mm-hmm. I... I heard of that book many years ago, and yeah. I I did try to read it. <laughs> I yeah. got it from the library oh years ago, and yeah. picked it up and started reading it. And I'm like, I don't get this. And I didn't even I didn't really give it a lot of time that yeah. I I probably should have. And I just took it back to the library. It's like okay, because <laughs> there were other well, books that I were was reading like The Power of Now and other books that really kind of uh, spoke to me right away. Yeah. And I had difficulty with A Course in Miracles. But I did hear Ananda's um, New Year's Eve message on your YouTube mm-hmm. channel, and she mentioned um, it would be a good time, being New Year's Eve, a good time to um, actually read The Course in Miracles. And mm-hmm. she said, just take it, you know, even if you don't understand it, um, it will like, raise your vibration. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll do that. And it's <laughs> online. So I discovered The Course of Miracles online, and you can actually, you don't have to read it. There's an audio. So I was like, I, I'm really cheating. I'm just using the online version and listening to the daily audio lessons. Every day I take at least five to ten minutes, listen to the lesson, follow you know, follow the instruction that that lesson has for that day. And so I'm up to day eight. Right. <laughs> today is the eighth of January and I thought I can do this. <laughs> I well, can you do know this, what? So. Um you're you're saying the words that most people say when they try and read the Course in Miracles. It's a challenging text, there's no doubt about it. Um, but it's challenging because it is literally going to transform your perception of the world. And a lot of, um, a lot of other books that we read, uh, they make us feel good when we're reading them. Uh, we sort of tap into the author's uh, level of consciousness and we, we link in with the truth that's in those books and we feel good. That, that's our guidance system saying, yes, you're in alignment with truth here. Uh, but uh-huh. when we put the book down, we go right back into our own consciousness. We go back into our, our own fears. We go back into our, our own way of looking at the world. And that's why a lot of people, when they finish a spiritual book, immediately want to find another one because they only feel good when they're reading the books. And that's right. because you're actually 
you're actually tapping into truth in those books a lot of the time. Uh, and mm-hmm. yet when you, when you return to your own consciousness, you begin to suffer again because you're out of alignment with truth again. So what The Course in Miracles is actually doing is changing how you look at the world. It's changing your ego-based thought system, which is one of fear and separation. It's training you to focus on love and forgiveness. So it's a big job that the book is trying to achieve, and that's why it's very difficult for the mind. First of all, the ego mind does not want to practice forgiveness. It does not want to align itself with love. Separation is its comfy place. And Uh so, of course, there's a lot of resistance to doing the lessons. There's a lot of resistance to um, uh, doing as you're told as it relates to love. The ego is very strong in our society. It's used to Uh doing what it wants, when it wants, however it wants. And uh, we've been very well trained in uh, instant gratification. But that's kind of what led us to this world that we're living in, is a world of instant gratification. Um, And it's very ego-driven. So the course really is a counterculture text. Uh, It's going to take you into places that no other book takes you. Uh, And yes, it's challenging. But uh, if you're Uh sick of suffering... (laughs) <laughs> if you're sick yeah. of uh, being up in the middle of the night with a mind that is running riot and fearful, uh-huh. then uh, it's something to consider because it changed my life uh, in more ways than I ever could have imagined. Yes, I, and I I understand what you're saying exactly. Um, with my spiritual journey, I, I did awaken to the truth of oneness. I mean, I when I it I can't even describe the experience. I didn't have. It was just like a light bulb went off when I understood, mm-hmm. really understood the truth of oneness. It was like, and I, and the other thing I thought is, why doesn't everybody get this? You know, that was, I was like, because I I really get it. But that was in 2007, and I didn't really start applying the principles of oneness to, to my life until probably around 2010. But then, mm-hmm. um, like I had said to you um, before we had started the show, I had mentioned to you that today is an anniversary because a year ago today, um, Spirit told me in the middle of the night, it was 1.30 a.m. today, um, January 8th, <laughs> 2015, um, Spirit said, just do it. And it meant just follow, do what you want as far as, Start a foundation in your son's memory, the Kyle Foundation, and start a radio show, an online radio show, um, um, talking and inspiring others to awaken to the truth of of oneness. Mm -hmm. At that time, I didn't even have the name of the radio show in my head. It kind of came to me in the next few days, Awake to Oneness. So it's been a year-long journey for me that I'm actually, for the first time in my life, and I'm 53 um, I'll be 54 in two, three days. <laughs> Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Tuesday, I will be 54. Um, but so this is the first time in my life I'm actually following spirit day by day, moment by moment. So yeah. I do understand what you're saying. And I think the my last book that I have not read was A Course in Miracles. So this, uh, not the message I got from Ananda, New Year's Eve, read that book. I was like, I'm being obedient. I am doing this. (laughs) Well, it's a very interesting thing. You know, we have uh, have the small freedoms in the world. You know, we can eat what we want. We can live where we want mostly. 
Um, but truthfully, a lot of us aren't free. We're, we find ourselves doing things and living in a way that isn't exactly what we want. And we don't always know um, who this other being is, it seems. There's someone else in the driver's seat at times, you know, whether it's going to a job that we hate or, um, you know, eating too much food. And uh, there's a part of us that wants to be healthy and active. And there's another part that is uh, going to that kitchen cupboard or that fridge. And it's almost uh -huh. like you've got a, there's two, there's, it's almost like there's two of you, this idea of the angel and the devil. Uh, and right. really what you're experiencing really what you're experiencing in those feelings and in those behaviors is you're seeing a split mind. You're seeing a mind that is inspired by spirit. That'll be the part that you listened to that night to, uh, when, you, when you decided that you were going to do this work. And then there's the conditioned mind. And the conditioned mind is the mind of, uh, that religion has instilled in us, our family and cultural conditioning, our school system our televisions, there's a lot of conditioned ideas and they really don't belong to you. They really are uh, something that have, has come from someone else's value system. And what a lot of people are experiencing these days, they're experiencing that they're living a life, whether it's uh, going to a job they don't like or perhaps their mortgage is overwhelming them and, and, and they hate the idea of doing the same thing for the next 20 or 30 years. But those uh -huh. are conditioned beliefs and ideas. And there's some, you, if you've been conditioned heavily to do something, you have to be willing to put in, to, in some effort to change your mind. You have to begin to work with your thoughts and your beliefs so that you can get back to that place where you're really listening to your own inner guidance. And our own inner guidance comes from spirit. This is the message that's very clear in all of the work that I've been doing is we uh -huh. have these feelings, um, but a lot of these inspirations aren't coming from us. They're coming from other higher consciousness, other frequencies, other dimensions, if you want to look at it that way. And that's your guidance telling you that you have a purpose and that uh, if you do this thing, then your life is going to improve. But for most people, we have this sort of one step forward, one step back thing happening. And this is why the lessons of the Course in Miracles are so powerful because they start to eliminate the fearful ideas. They start to eliminate the limited ideas about life and about who you are. And uh, you, be you begin to become more aligned with the truth of your nature, which is that you're an internal spiritual being having a temporary physical experience and that you can tap into limitless sorts of sources of creativity and energy. But we aren't taught that, you know, we're taught we're small, that we're physical, that we're going to die. Um, you've only got one vote, that you're, very, that you're powerless in this big old world. <clears throat> but uh, the Course in Miracles tells you otherwise. And uh, just to throw in a little uh, exciting information about the Course, the voice of A Course in Miracles is Jesus' voice. And yes. that is the teacher. He is the teacher of the Course. And uh, when I first started reading it, I didn't know that. And as I was reading it, I was like, hang on a second, whose voice is this? And uh, he begins to refer to things like the crucifixion and uh, his life oh. on earth. And, and I was very surprised because I was not a Jesus uh, person necessarily. I wasn't religious in any way. And uh, mm -hmm. as it turned out, I began to study. I studied his teachings for about 12 years before I had this spiritual awakening. 
Oh, I did. I like I said, I've heard. I heard of the of the book, A Course in Miracles. Oh, probably back in two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, <clears throat> somewhere mm-hmm. around there. But I did. I didn't know. I knew it was a channeled book, but I didn't know that uh, it was channeled um, from Jesus until yeah. until I started listening to you. You you know, you channel, and, and I found out through you that it was actually Jesus, this yeah. voice. Um, uh, the, the teachings are basically radical love and, and forgiveness practice, and it's his teachings without any uh, human influence, without the church's influence. Uh, it's a clear and uh, unequivocal path towards being more loving. And as you become more loving, your mind becomes more peaceful, and as you become more peaceful, then uh, higher consciousness can contact you more easily because you're not interfering with the communication with fear and anxiety and judgment. That's really what gets removed from your mind. So that's what happened to me, according to Ananda. They said that because of this uh, 12-year practice with the Course in Miracles, I eliminated the interference from my mind, and, and then they were able to... Um, say hi, <laughs> and boy, did they say hi! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's amazing. So, yeah. So, t- share with us now. The first book that came through you um, from Ananda yeah. was "Making Love to God," um, yeah. and just that title, people were like, "Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, yeah. What? What is this?" You know. So, tell us. I wanted yeah. to call it something much more graphic, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, so share share with us um, your your experience of um, you know how you initially started channeling this um, work and and tell us all about it. Okay. Well, that first night when I began to write or rather Ananda began to write through me, they said that this was going to be my life's purpose and that that I was going to write books with them. And uh, I was sitting there going, "Uh, okay. I had no idea what was happening. Uh, And they, after that weekend, I just kept writing. I sat with with the pen very frequently and I would hear words coming through my mind, and my my hand would use my hand would move of its own volition. It would it would write the words. So I didn't. It was like I was skipping a process. Um, that that thing in your mind that tells you to move your hand. I was not having to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And immediately, I I they wrote so quickly that I couldn't transcribe it. It was too messy. And then one day I was going to. Um, check my uh, email or something and I felt their feeling as I went to the keyboard and I thought oh I think they want to type and so they began to type and they're much better typers than I am Uh, they can type about twice as fast um, but what it allowed me to do was to read it more easily Uh, so over that first few weeks uh, they began the Making Love to God book um, and they told me they were going to write a book about sexual energy and sexuality, uh, which I was I was not happy about. I have to be honest. I thought, can't you pick an easier subject? Um, <laughs> but as it turns out, they don't pick easy subjects, so it, it was probably one of the easy ones. But they said they chose that subject because it's the most powerful energy we have to deal with on a regular basis, and it's very, very distorted in our society. So it's where we need help 
and it's where we have to begin that process of uh, healing. Uh, so I, I was getting two, two streams of information really coming through. I was getting the book uh, dictation, and then they were giving me a lot of personal um, information about my past and about changing my diet and exercising. And if I was on the computer too long, they'd tell me to get up and go for a walk. And uh, they started to kind of organize me. Uh, so uh, I, that book took about uh, six months to write. I was, new, I was new to the whole process, so it was a bit cumbersome in the beginning. Uh, but about three months into writing on the computer, they said that they were going to prepare me to talk for them. Uh, and that took about a week of, um, I would wake up in the middle of the night speaking. And uh, then one, so through this uh, three-month period, I was having these energy sessions all the time. So this was part of my um, uh, awakening process they asked me specifically, they said, we want to reintegrate the matrix of your body and reconnect everything that's been disconnected. Do you give us permission to continue? So I said yes. And so every day I would lay down for an hour and I would have these ecstatic energy sessions from spirit. Uh, so that was part of my uh, awakening process was this, uh, what I believe was a sort of a, a, a retooling, a rebuilding of my engine, if you want to call it that, that happened over that summer. Uh, and I, so I finished the book that winter. Uh, they made me move back from, I had moved to uh, the capital city of BC, Victoria, and they had asked uh -huh. me to move back to the small island that I had been living on. They wanted me to be there for the energy that was there. And, uh, so I finished the book over that winter and uh, very, very quickly found a publisher. Uh, so Light Technology Publishing, who published Sedona Journal, uh, they, spe uh, they specialize in um, channeled works. Uh, they uh -huh. took on that first book. So it was a, a very unusual thing because these days uh, getting a publisher is not easy. They want you to self-publish. And uh, uh, yeah, so that it took about eight months of uh, it, it was all typed that particular book the, the two subsequent books have been spoken and then I transcribed oh. them but this particular book which was my beginning book <laughs> um, oh. yeah so I was not happy about the sexual energy part of it I uh, you know uh, that's not a subject that um, our society is really good at talking about and uh, I could feel all of my fears coming up and uh fears of being judged, uh, fears of being um, made fun of, uh, all kinds of things came up. But that's, uh, um, as I'm learning with these guys, uh, that's an ongoing process with me. I just have to face all my fears. There's no two ways about it. Mm -hmm. so. Right, yes. That's the that's the way to clear them, I, I believe. is. That's the only way and... to clear them is you have to yes. go in there and uh, have a good look at them and experience them and uh, you have to dismiss them. You have to see that when you face your fear they literally dissolve and nothing bad happens but most of us are trained as soon as we feel a fear uh, we back away from it and spend our lives trying not to encounter it and uh, really our, there's, a, there's a phrase in the Course in Miracles it says your greatest self is hidden under your darkest fears and that's really what we have to get down to is um, experiencing that which we fear 
because that is why we're here. Uh, we're not here to avoid those fears. We're here to eliminate them um, and return to love. That's the journey that we're on here as uh, in the physical incarnation. So is really removing the lies from your mind. Fears are always based on untruth and weakness and uh, usually conditioned teachings. Right. Um, I'm thinking that for me, I'm thinking that, well, for everyone, that we come, we choose to come here for a particular reason. Um, mm-hmm. And usually those um, those fears <laughs> are why <laughs> we can't. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> to yeah. deal well, with those fears. Well, it does change how you look at the world, for sure. When you begin to feel a fear, once you get onto this kind of principle, um, you, your first reaction is, oh, no, here comes another one. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, of course, I'm very fortunate. I have um, a big cheerleading team now, and I have daily personal guidance, um, you know, at my fingertips, which is the other reason I encourage people to consider looking at the Course in Miracles, because there is nothing nicer, let me tell you, when you're having a bad day, to be able to tune into your guides and teachers and have a nice little pep talk. It is uh, right. very nice. Uh, it's it's really worth the work. Yes, yes. It's, yeah. uh, I kind of, when I have those days, because even today was kind of an emotional day for me, when I have those moments, I I remind myself that, A, a I'm not alone, never alone, and that yeah. my spiritual guides and my angels are, are surrounding me, and just yeah. take a few deep breaths, center myself, and remember Remember the mm-hmm. truth of who I am, and and mm-hmm. that I'm not alone, and that there are pl- there's plenty of help yeah. um, with us all the time. Yeah. So um, I think. Um, go ahead. No, no, I was well. I was no. Go ahead, because I was going to ask you something about the book. But go ahead. Finish your um, Yeah. Well, I was I was just going to refer to the book, but but I think that's one of the reasons why they wanted to deal with sexuality and sexual energy in the first book because we have. Uh, a lot of distortions around that particular energy. And it's, it's a, a lot of people are afraid of that energy. Um, they've either been shamed into it or they've been they've had negative sexual experiences and they don't want to go there. They don't want to look at it. Um, it's very frightening for people. Uh, and I think, you know, when I first read Making Love to God, even though I wrote it, you know, or it was mm-hmm. written through me, when it right. first when it first was made into print and I held that book and I, I sat down and read it just like anybody else would because I didn't write it. Um, right. This book made me feel so much better about myself as it relates to sexual, my sexuality and my sexual energy. I had felt like there was something wrong with me. I'd had a lot of difficulty in relationships and, uh-huh. um, you know, some negative events around sexuality and it had always felt like a bit of a, you know, an albatross around my neck. And um, I would look at other people and I think, I don't know, they seem to be doing okay. But then I'd look at society and I think, no, it's, uh, you know, it's a strange society as it relates to sexuality. And when I read this book, I felt so much better that um, about some of the decisions I'd made because I'd been single for quite a long time when Ananda came through. But it was, it felt right for me. And, um, I also had seen a lot of other people with go through a lot of suffering with relationships. So I right. wasn't um, it wasn't like I was looking at everyone else and thinking, oh, they they're living in paradise. I wish I could have that. 
I was looking at everyone else thinking, I'm really glad I'm not in that game right now. I, it doesn't interest me because of, it looks very difficult. And so right. when this book came through, uh, you can literally feel the love infused in this book. And it goes into a lot of different subjects, not just sexual energy, but it does, it, you know, it, it covers a lot of things in our society that really affect our sexuality and our, sex, our, our access to healthy sexual energy. So it's a uh -huh. really comprehensive look at Western society as it affects our sexual beingness. And um, as I said, you know, when I first read that book, I felt so much better about some of the decisions I had made and, and knew that there was, um, I had been going through my own process of healing that part of myself, of stepping away from the way that it was playing out in society and in my life and going through this transformation with A Course in Miracles um, a lot of the inner work that I was doing was related to relationships and judgments and issues around my body and these kinds of things. Uh, so it's a multifaceted look at, um, you know, that aspect of our, our nature. Uh, and uh, even though it's, uh, and, the, and the title, Making Love to God, actually is a sentence in the book, which refers to how you should treat the person you are making love to. You mm. literally are making love to an aspect of God. And wow. so that's, that's the kind of attitude that they say we need to bring to sexuality, is that you're actually communing with another divine being, and that's, um, that's how we should look at it. So, so clearly that's um, off the mark for a lot of the sexual activity that goes on in our society. But they go very deep into the subject and... Um, uh, yeah, they uh, they came up with a wonderful text. I've had a lot of people, after they've read that book, just say, thank you, that really helped me look at my decisions and my sexuality in a different way, and it and it helps people find some peace of it with it. Wow. It's a, I'm listening to you. Um, as you were saying, I was feeling exactly the same way. I haven't been in a relationship in I don't know how long, and... I'm. I don't miss it, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I. I have you know many friends that are having difficult relationships, and I, you know, I. They all, a lot of them turn to me for like advice or or something of that nature, and I'm like, um, you know, I, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm trying to help them the best I can, but the thing I'm thinking yeah. for myself, I'm glad I'm not in that. I'm just, yeah. you know, I am. I. Just would I would rather not be, and I've said this to myself many for many years. I'd rather not be in a relationship at all than be in a bad one. I yeah. Just, I, uh, you know, and so the time I've had by myself, I've gotten to know myself, yeah. and I've gotten to love myself, mm -hmm. and that I am so thankful for. I'm actually yeah. I I I credit um, my awakening to my solitude. And I just kind of had that revelation recently. Like, hmm, would I be this awake if yeah. I was in a relationship? Yeah. Um, and I don't think I would. I think that the solitude has helped me to awaken. So I'm thankful yeah. for the solitude. Yeah. Not saying that if, 
you know, the quote-unquote Mr. Right but, <laughs> um, comes along, you know, so I'm, I'm welcoming to a relationship, but I'm I'm truly happy. I'm yeah. happier now than I've ever been in my life because I believe I'm more awake to who I am yeah. well, more than I've ever been idea. in my life. Yeah, this is the, you know, we, we really get down to the idea of uh, the reflective nature of the universe. If, if you're in a, um, you know, very sad place and you, you don't love yourself and you feel, and, and what we're told in our society, of course, is that if you if you have someone in your life to love you, you're going to feel better. That's what all the romantic movies and all those romantic songs are saying. Um, right. Uh, but the truth of the matter is you're going to attract somebody to you who's got the same frequency as you do uh, and mm-hmm. and that's why I think um, this period of solitude is a, is a very good idea if your relationships haven't been working out for you essentially what's happening is you've, you've been attracting people to you that are um, as badly off as you are and when you begin to go into your own self-exploration figuring out your fears and, and doing things, learning who you are uh, what makes you happy you're going to raise your frequency. So whoever you meet, you know, let's say you decide to take a a four or five year sabbatical from relationship because it's not working very well. You've got to give yourself some time to sort of uh, uh, reboot the computer. You know, you've got to get rid of some negative beliefs and ideas and you've got to, you know, figure out who you are. And mm-hmm. I think that's really one of the big lessons in, in the Making Love to God book is the fact that a lot of us don't know who we are. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really isn't good for relationships when you don't know what you like and what makes you happy uh, and you're doing things um, from this conditioned place. You're right, often right. doing things that you've been taught are appropriate, but they actually aren't working for you. And uh, so this is part of the journey of awakening is to see, you know, have I got a healthy relationship with myself? And I didn't Mm. have a healthy relationship with myself. I didn't like myself. I had a lot of negative thoughts and ideas in my mind. And, uh, of course, when you've had had some disastrous experiences in relationships, that doesn't help. But when you begin to understand that this is a reflective universe, and that mm-hmm. you were being shown your frequency in your partner, then exactly. you start to look at it and go, oh, dear, that's me. That's me attracting that unloving person, or that's me attracting uh, this negative experience. But it's exactly. not a linear, yeah, it's not a linear universe. You know, when we look in the mirror and, let's say, judge ourselves for not looking the way we want, that lowers our frequency and then I'll refer back to that idea of the cobweb, that lowered frequency manifests everywhere in your life. It doesn't just relate to your body that you judged. It will, it, that frequency is set throughout your day, so you're going to have lower frequency experiences. And so if we're in a judgmental mind all the time, um, you know, attacking other people or attacking ourselves, and the truth of the matter is most people don't realize how judgmental they are until they begin to do the lessons of A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Until you actually start to pay attention to your thoughts, you don't realize, wow, I'm, I'm in a fight all the time in my head or I'm judging all the time in my head. 
I didn't realize that because most people, if you ask them, they will think, oh, no, I'm a pretty, I'm a nice person. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's because we have been taught that our thoughts aren't really creative. What, you know, this idea of what goes on in your mind is private. No, it's not private at all. The universe is listening. The universe is listening and it's reflecting everything back to you. Every single thought you have is creative and it's going to come back to you in the form of people, places, and things. And so that's a big core healing point when you've had negative sexual experiences, which I have had. I had a a very um, unhealthy first marriage, um, and Mm -hmm. it was was not a a fun time. Um, But that relationship really was putting voice to the words that I was saying to myself in my head. I was unloving to myself. I was judging myself all the time. I was attacking myself all the time. And so, bless the universe, it gave me a relationship that showed me that so that I could see it because I was unaware of it. Right. And right. I think that's, that's a big part of healing our past sexual experiences if they've been negative, is, is we have to come to a place where we are owning our own um, low-frequency thoughts and ideas about the world. And that's, exactly. how, that's how we can come to a place of forgiveness. Because sometimes if you have been attacked or if you've been raped or abused, in this world we're told that they're bad and you're the victim. But the truth of the matter is, and this is never a popular thing to say, but the truth right. of the matter is, this is a reflective universe and you are going to attract to you things of a like frequency to you. And if I look at my experience, honestly, I had a hateful mind. I was very fearful and judgmental. And guess what? I attracted that in a partner. But I looked very innocent in that relationship. He looked like the bad guy because he was acting it out. All of my hatred was hidden inside my mind. And so that is where a tremendous healing happened for me when I could acknowledge the fact that he was hateful, that he was as hateful to me as I was being to me inside my mind. And that's what the course brought up for me. And that's part of the journey of forgiveness that we have to bring to our experiences with sexuality because a lot of us have had very low frequency experiences with sexuality. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what this book brings up is the truth of this society's relationship with sex is pretty bad. It's Mm -hmm. based on patriarchal principles and that's why a lot of women aren't happy with the sexual expression that's going on. It doesn't really work for us. It's much more focused on the history, which is patriarchal. Uh, Even how people make love is very much more focused towards uh, the way it works for the man rather than the way it works for the woman. And I think this is part of the revolution that's coming to the society is this acknowledgement that, um, you know, sexual energy uh, is is a very different experience for, for the girls than the boys. It takes us much longer to get going and uh, we have to be in a loving environment. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different aspects that this book really addresses about um, the the sexual philosophy that our society holds. 
very true. I was thinking when you were talking about this being a reflective universe. It's so yes. true. Um, and you're, you're right. People do not want to hear that. That no. you know. Um, but when you do really understand oneness, when you understand that um, we are all a part of each other, and that we are, we do everything is frequency. Science has spoken of this many for many years, and like freaking frequency attracts so everything your thoughts are free has a frequency so everything you put out comes back and when we're talking about love i also like to for me i like to think what i'm not looking for love outside of me i know the love all the love i need is within me and what comes back to me is a reflection of my own love so it's so it's not looking for love it's just sending out as much love as I have inside of me for that to reflect back to me because yeah. it's just it's just a reflection. Um, I think the hardest I, part is when you actually get into relationship with someone and you're like, oh, he's cute, I want to go out with him, then that ref- it, it becomes much more challenging when you're looking at another person, interacting with another ego, that's when it becomes very, very difficult, especially if somebody you're living with does something you hate. Um, Mm -hmm. Acting as if you're one in that circumstance is a tremendous challenge Mm -hmm. and almost impossible for most people. When we're sitting in our living rooms um, talking about hypothetical situations, we can say, oh, yeah, we're all one. It's all love, you know. Uh, But when, you know, if someone stays out till 3 o'clock in the morning and comes in drunk, right. you're going to have a different reaction. And that's really where the rubber hits the road is how mm-hmm. are you going to treat somebody who is not acting in a way that you think is appropriate? In a loving way. Yes. In a, if, yeah. And how mm-hmm. do you bring love to a situation when the last thing you want to do is bring love to a situation? And that's really where these this mm-hmm. longer-term training uh, is coming uh, is is really important because uh, things like attacking people. So uh, we think of attack as you know somebody who's being mugged or somebody who's having their house robbed. But when right. when you get into an argument with somebody and you're accusing them of things, that's a, from a, from the Course in Miracles point of view, that would be considered an attack. Uh-huh. And what you're saying is what you just did is unacceptable. And that is Mm -hmm. where the separation is perpetuated. And that is why, and that's a very natural reaction for all of us because most of us have not been taught these principles. And so um, Mm -hmm. I used to be very, very attacking kind of person. Um, I would get into a fight with anyone, uh, you know, not physically, but verbally, for sure, and uh-huh. within my own mind, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And and so one of the things that I've been trained to do over these years is to, um, you know, like I don't get into arguments with people very often anymore. I let them have their opinion, and I just um, look at, okay, if this is upsetting me, the thing that is upsetting me is in me. Uh-huh. It's not in them. They right. said something that upset me, and so mm-hmm. this is what the, this is what these teachings are asking us to do. 
So mm-hmm. if your husband, you know, let's say you're married or in a relationship and your husband says something and you get that visceral physical reaction of rage or anger, that right. thing that was triggered is in your mind. It feels like it's in your body, but actually it's your mind reacting and then the body follows along so quickly behind that you can't right. discern that gap. But uh-huh. someone said something that hurt the ego part of ourselves, that part of ourselves that's very vulnerable, that's fear-focused, that's very, very easily disturbed. Right. And in the practice of forgiveness, what you begin to do is to take yourself out of that combative situation and say, okay, you just really said something that pushed my button, but it was my button, and I now need to figure out what it is in my mind, what thought or belief do I hold in my mind that caused me that reaction? Uh-huh. Because those same words could be said to someone else and they wouldn't react. Exactly. Because, because they don't have that issue. And right. I think when it comes to to relationships, just to get back to the book, um, uh-huh. this is where most of our battles are taking place. They're taking place in uh, our homes, in our relationships. As we know, it's one of the, you know, your home is the most dangerous place. It's, it's the place a woman, for example, is most likely to be attacked is in her own home. So um, this idea of radical forgiveness and really training the mind to focus on love, um, I think, is, is fundamental to improving our love relationships and our sexual relationships. Now, anyone yes. who knows me knows that I have been single for a very long time. And it's interesting to be bringing a book through like this because the first thing I said to Ananda was, you picked the wrong person. I am not the person <laughs> to be bringing this material through. But what I realized after the book had, had been completed was that most of my problems in my life had arisen from a distorted relationship to sexual energy. Um, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a violent first marriage, uh, eating disorders that I had when I was young, Um, unhappiness uh, issues with my physical body, not liking my body. These were all related to sexual energy. And when I actually look back at all of the issues that I've had in my life, I was like, wow, a lot of this has to do with sexuality. This must be the case with everybody. A lot of our self-hatred may be about, you know, the objectification of the body in this society, uh, not being considered attractive or by society standards. Um, There's a lot of things like that that are undermining our ability to connect with each other and keeping a lot of us separated and single because we don't know how to deal with all of the feelings and emotions that are triggered by sexual energy. And as they said, it's a very powerful present force in us. Uh Very true. And you and I have a lot in common. <laughs> very, oh, very there's true. millions of us out there, Caroline. There's millions of us out there. And I think that's yes. why it's so important to, to have this discussion, you know, because uh, we aren't alone. And uh, I think the battle of the sexes, it's time that, that uh, we start to deal with that issue. So Very true. Very true. Um, I just want to say to any of the listeners that 
um, would like to call in with a question. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to give give out the number. Uh, anyone that has a question for Ananda or for Tina, the number to call in is three four seven. My glasses. Three four seven eight five seven one zero eight three. So any of the listeners that have a has a question, please uh, give a call. Um, so uh, there was someone who called in, and they must have got disconnected, but they might call back. Um, so, Shall we bring um, Amanda through and let them say something? Yes, that would be amazing. Please. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, they love to talk, so I don't know how long they'll go. Probably oh. ten minutes. Or so. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. I'll. Um, uh, I just take one breath, and then. Uh, they always introduce themselves, so you'll know when it's them speaking. And uh, I'll I'll be back in a little while. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Ah, oh, we're with you again, dear ones. Uh, we say welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you who are listening. We are Ananda. We are non-physical teachers. That means that uh, we are a group consciousness, and uh, we speak through this being. We call our dear one. She is very dear to us. She allows us to use her physical structure to bring forth truthful information about your reality. And uh, as uh, she so correctly said, we brought through this particular book first because of your disastrous relationship with this energy that you call sexual energy. And we want to be, first of all, to redefine sexual energy for you. Sexual energy is not what you think it is. Sexual energy is the divine creative force of all that is or what you call God. It is a sacred energy that is used by the awakened mind to create, uh, to vitally invigorate the physical body and to commune with the divine. That is its uh, purpose. But through your conditioning processes, through your uh, repressive and uh, brutal regimes that have been uh, at play on your planet for a very long time now, this energy has been repressed. Now, we want to go back a little and give you a little history lesson here. Uh, the powers that be in your world a long time ago, and we will say the early church uh, organizers, uh, understood very well that sexual energy was a powerful, invigorating, and inspiring divine force. And that is one of the reasons that it was prohibited. It is one of the reasons that uh, shaming uh, and uh, hence restrictions were placed upon sexual energy because sexual energy in the educated and awakened mind is the most powerful connection that you can make to your uh, limitless self. It is the quickest way to connect with the, the blissful love energies of what you consider God. Uh, God is a creative force. God is a benevolent force. God is an ecstatic and vital, uh, ever self-expressing force. And that is exactly the energy that you access when you have a clean and clear relationship to sexuality. Now, sexuality has been put into this little tiny box over in the corner. You live your lives and uh, you go to work and you do all of these things. And then there is this thing that you do with the members of the opposite sex. And it is um, 
a very, very powerful driving force. All of your marketing in your society uh, uses this energy to sell you things. Uh, all of the makeup and uh, the beauty products, all of the clothing, all of the fast cars, these are all marketing sex uh, and using that energy to sell you products. So this energy has and is being used uh, all throughout your society, but it is being used in a very distorted way. It is not being used in the loving, creative, self-expressive way that it is designed to be used in. It has been twisted and uh, distorted through millennia of repression. Remember, the society that you live in has been built on the old church teachings, and the shame and the repression around sexuality is one of the fundamental building blocks of the church's teaching. And it was done because that is one of the greatest access points to power and influence and creativity that you have. And this is one of the reasons that aging in your society is very, very unpleasant because of the sexual shame, because of shutting down sexuality, because of the negative experiences that often precipitate that shutting down of energy, you are not accessing the vital life force that is your right and uh, uh, that you have every uh, God-given right to experience. So when you see people aging and uh, becoming uh, less than and uh, sickening in their 70s and 80s, you are seeing people often who have no access to sexual energy and and consequently, they have no access to their creativity and they have no access to a vital part of the body's health mechanism. And so this is not just about uh, making love. This is about creativity. One of the things that you see lacking in your society is people's access to their creative energy. Why do you think this is? Why do you think when you say to people, what would you like to do creatively? And they say, oh, I don't know. I don't feel anything. Part of that is their lack of access to sexual energy. Sexual energy, of course, is creative in the most fundamental sense. It is the energy that brings forth those beautiful little babies. But the other part of it is this access to creativity. That energy runs in the same uh, uh, chakras, the same energy lines, if you will. And so when you are shutting someone's sexual energy down, you also shut down their creativity, and their creativity is part of the inspiration that allows you to access spirit as well. This is an interesting association, is it not? That not only does your society have a shaming and a very, very poor education systems around sexuality, most children are raised in homes where it is not even spoken about, but it is also a society that discourages your creative outlets. Art programs are always cut first in your system. So you have a pervasive conditioning system in your society that cuts out two of the most powerful uh, aspects of your vital spiritual nature. That is your sexual energy and your creative energy. And so we want you to begin to associate these, these two things. And the other thing that we want to do in this opening statement, we could talk for hours, dear one, about this. Uh, it is such an important subject. But the other thing that we want you to know in this opening statement is that when you shame little children, when you 
her get them to hide their little bodies so very, very young and don't let them play naked. When you tell them off for touching themselves, uh, you are literally shutting down their vital life force. It is a great cruelty in your society, and there are untold consequences of doing this. So for those of you with children, give them the freedom to be naked if they are enjoying it. Obviously, you are living in a very dysfunctional society, and we say that with the great love, but it is true. Uh, so you do not let them run around uh, unsupervised, but in your homes, in your gardens, at the beach, let them be free. Let them be in their bodies and allow them to experience this vitality because that is one of the fundamental things that is missing in your society. When we look at aging in your society, this is where it starts. It starts in sexual shaming. And the other thing, of course, is that this energy is so powerful that it cannot be shut down. It cannot be stopped. And so it must find a way out through any way it can. And that is where you see a lot of abuse with drugs and alcohol in teenagers because they are feeling a powerful sexual force beginning to assert, themselves, beginning to assert itself within their physical structure. And there is no support in society for this. And so they uh, use drugs and alcohol to either numb the shame, access the energy, or to uh, simply cover up the conflicted and difficult feelings that they have about the subject because people are not talking about it. Uh, so we will uh, take a little break here, give you an opportunity to uh, uh, bring uh, a question from one of the listeners, and uh, we will be back shortly. <laughs> okay, I'm back here. <laughs> okay. Ananda is wonderful, wonderful. I um, Actually, we don't have a caller. Um, we had one a little while ago. I'm not sure if they got disconnected accidentally, but... Um, so it's really just you and me, which is great. Okay, um, well, I'm, I've I'm loving it. Some of those, um, uh, some of those folks in Bethlehem who are listening, give us a call and uh, pose right. us a nice, uh, juicy question. Yes, yes. I know um, there's a few Bethlehem people there listening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I actually uh, emailed uh, today. I was uh, in communication with Jim by email today. So um, I'm sure they are listening <laughs> in. Um, but um, this, you know, I'm just, I'm loving just, you know, having you to myself, too. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, we can just go for it. Uh, we've managed to get to an hour and a half already, I think. Oh, no, an hour already, so we're good. Oh, yeah. No, we're already into the second hour. Um, yeah. So um, my question was going to be um, using divine sexual energy. I know that yep. the society um, <clears throat> has, you know, shamed us from, and even when Ananda was talking um, and she was, when she spoke about the children, it reminded me of an incident from my childhood when I was about four or five where I was, I think, taking a, a bath with one of my cousins and we were, like, just playing around, but my aunt just kind of, she yelled at us, you know, like, yeah. like, and you know, it was like, um, you guys know what you're doing. And like, we were, we were like four or five, we were like four or five years old. 
yeah. and made us feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's what I, yeah. I thought that, 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 you know, things like that from your childhood stay with you. And I, I thought yeah, about that do. when Ananda was speaking, how um, we do, we just, we make these little innocent babies feel guilty of their body and shameful of their body. And, and, the, and, and, and the I, thing that I just... Go go ahead. Ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was <laughs> the thing saying, that's I just interesting don't... is that is that those 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 two little kids that you and your cousin had no shame. The shame right. was from the other person, mm-hmm. and yes. what you were doing made her feel uncomfortable. This is this idea again of um, negative ideas coming up in you that are mm-hmm. we blame the other people for them. So. She, in that circumstance, would have looked at you guys playing in the bathtub. It would have made her feel her shame. Mm. And so yeah. her anger was a negative expression of her shame. And yet that is mm. how it's passed down, right? But the thing to remember is is that because most of us do have sexual shame because of how we're raised in the society, mm-hmm. It's right. really important to realize that when someone else does something that makes us feel something bad, usually yeah. it's got nothing to do with what they're doing. It's the shame that has been instilled in us. And that's where owning our yeah. own feelings is so important because if I look at two little children and they do something that makes me feel bad, we're mm-hmm. taught in our society to, to do something with the children. But the truth of the matter is we have to do something with our our own inner self. So, for example, that experience that was triggered by that conversation, that's a really good place for you to go in and do some forgiveness work. Right. For you to go in and, you know, look at that situation and how did that make you feel? What did that bring up for you? That is a lesson that you learned that, that has carried on through your life probably because that memory uh-huh. came up. Obviously, it was a very powerful moment for you. Yes. Yes. And when yes. a child is frightened like that, when they see rage in an adult, the next time they have that experience opportunity, guess what? They're not going to do it. Even though they may be curious or even though they may want to, they're right. going to shut. They're going to shut their energy down, and that's exactly where it begins. It begins in those early years, where parents mm-hmm. and relatives are laying their own beliefs on the kids, and the fear of sexual energy, of course, is what's driving that. We think that if we don't shut it down, everyone's going to be having sex all over the place. But I actually don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, right. I know. Right. I know. Ananda will. Uh, will speak to that subject too. I can feel them here wanting to say something. Say something. <laughs> I can feel them wanting to say something. Okay. Well let let her through. Let her uh Okay, well that. first of all, Ananda is okay. is not her. I'm just gonna correct oh, you there. They're, they're okay. a they. They're a they. they. There are there are lots of them. They sound like one person but there there's lots of them. So um, right. Okay, I'll um, I'll bring them through and see what they want to say on that particular subject. I'll be back in a little bit. <clears throat> okay, wonderful. So oh, we're with you again, dear ones. Uh, this is such a, as we say, an important subject uh, 
we want you to look at the hateful uh, violence that is going on on your planet at this time. Uh, there is no need to uh, tell you where to look. It is uh, pervasive and uh, very distressing. And believe it or not, uh, sexual energy and its uh, misuse is one of the fuels for war. This energy has to go somewhere. And uh, in your society, it is uh, going underground a lot. It is uh, being distorted a lot in uh, pornography. If you, if you could truly see what was happening in your pornography industry, you would be horrified at the suffering and the low vibration and the low frequency activities that are happening all the time everywhere. And this low frequency uh, use of sexual energy is one of the fuels for war. Uh, that is because uh, these lower uses of uh, sexual energy are, uh, we would say, very ego-driven. Now, we're going to explain this a little bit because uh, uh, you think of sexual en energy as one energy. It is not really one energy. Uh, just as there is uh, food, for example, and you can have a most uh, amazing gourmet meal and appreciate it. Uh, there is also uh, binging on uh, donuts. So food is not food. It's the energy with which you approach it. Uh, the same thing relates to sexual energy. A lot of people's fears around sexuality is because they are witnessing the ego's use of sexual energy. This is the lower frequency use of sexual energy. This means that they are seeing rape or sexual abuse or their own experiences have not been loving and kind. But this is not sexuality per se. This is the ego's use of sexuality. Now, the ego consciousness, we are going to go into a little theory here. So bear with us a little bit. The ego consciousness is the consciousness of separation and fear. And that is what this world represents. Now, this sounds like a very negative and pessimistic view of the world, but the truth of the matter is, is you have all come into this world to experience individuality, which is a form of separation. In a loving world, you would be taught how to experience individuality and separation without fear and without judgment and without uh, war. But in your society, because of the powers that be and the way they have used that power, you have been raised in a very fearful and increasingly ego-driven way. And this is why you are seeing such negativity around the use of sexuality. And this is why opening up the subject for discussion is very, very distressing for people because they think that they are just going to see more of this negative use of sexual energy. The divine use of sexual energy is in the high-frequency person who has made love their focus. And we are not talking about romantic love here. We are talking about loving kindness. We are talking about compassion, and we are talking about beautiful, high-frequency relationships with not only your beloved, but with yourself, with your children, with your pets, with your co-workers, with all of the beings that you encounter. You can touch into love in so many ways that you are not in this world, that your frequencies are very, very low across the board. And this is uh, what we are bringing through this teaching for is so that you begin to understand that you cannot access divine sexual energy very easily when you are in a very low frequency place. 
And the truth of the matter is, is that your modern Western society causes you to have a very low frequency. Here are some of the things that are going to raise your frequency. A peaceful mind, non, being non-judgmental, spending time in nature, creativity, these kinds of things. Now, you will notice that in the modern Western world, those things are not high on your priority list. They are thought of as indulgences or frivolities. The other thing that is very, very uh, pivotal in lowering your frequency is watching violence. This is one of the places where this is being perpetrated intentionally and pervasively across the board. So if you are a person who is interested in engaging with divine sexual energy and, list, uh, and tapping into this blissful aspect of the frequency of love, then you are going to have to look at some of these aspects of your own frequency um, generating system. How much time do you spend in nature? How much time do you watch spending, watching violent television? Uh, how judgmental are you? How fearful are you? These are all uh, elements that contribute to your frequency. So if you are interested in divine sexual energy, you are going to have to look at some of these areas at the same time. And we would say first, because if you engage in sexual activity when you are in a very low frequency place, you are going to get a very low frequency experience. Yes, it may be pleasurable on a simple physical, physiological level, but it is not going to bring you the kind of blissful encounters and experiences that sexual energy access from a high frequency place is going to bring you. This is where your society is very ignorant. It is well educated, but very ignorant. And so that is why we brought this book through first so that you could begin to understand sexual energy more clearly, that the frequency of your sexual experiences is generated by you. It is not generated by anyone else. The other thing that we want to remind you of is this, is that you are living in a generation of people who have a lot of shame around sexuality, and that has been built upon other generations, generation upon generation of shame and fear around sexual energy, and that is the foundation, uh, those are the foundation building blocks of your society. So your society is reflecting back to you your shaming. Your society is reflecting back to you your negative ideas about sex. Your society is reflecting back to you your own feelings about this very, very powerful and visceral force. So it is not just that society is doing it to you, you are all generating the society that you see. And so for most of you that have fundamental beliefs that sex is either frightening or shameful or dirty or unholy in some way, those beliefs are going to manifest out in the world as proof that you are right. Remember, the world reflects your beliefs. It reflects the things that you have in your mind. So if you are scared of sexual energy or if you are shameful about sexual energy, guess what you are going to have? You are going to have shameful and scary experiences around sex. And this is why the transformation of your mind is such a pivotal part in your experience on this planet. 
you must understand that to take a time out and spend a year or two clarifying your mind through studying the lessons of A Course in Miracles is going to save you so much pain and so much suffering that even though a year or two sounds like a very, very long time, it is in fact going to save you eons of suffering. That is what you are seeing in your relationships in the world. You are seeing people who are using their egoic consciousness. Remember, the ego consciousness is founded on separation and fear, and that is the consciousness that they are using in their love relationships and in their sexual relationships. It cannot work out very well when that is the frequency that is generating the experience. When you take a time out to look at where you feel shameful and to begin to engage sexual energy by yourself, with yourself, and look at the beliefs that come up, and this is what we would like uh, the listeners to consider doing. If they have the shut down sexual energy, if they have a lot of fear around it, and a lot of you do because you have either been sexually abused or attacked in some way, and it is not a place that you want to go, the first thing that we want to tell you here is that sexual energy is a relationship that you have with God. It has nothing to do with anyone else. That energy is yours to use as you see fit, and you do not have to have a partner. You can begin to allow that sexual energy to flow, and you can begin, as you do that, to see the beliefs that it triggers, because this is always what happens. When you are afraid or shamed around sexual energy and you've shut it down, Anytime the energy begins to flow, even if you are by yourself, let's say uh, you are watching a romantic movie and there's a lovely sexual energy coming up in the body, when you have fearful and shameful beliefs around sexual energy, you will begin to bring those beliefs to the surface. And then you will have an instant feeling to shut it down because you do not like the associations that it is bringing up for you. You do not like the fears that it is bringing up for you. But what we want you to know is that that negative sexual experience, those fears have nothing to do with love and they have nothing to do with divine sexuality either. They have to do with the ego's lower use, lower frequency use of sexuality and the fears and the judgments and the shaming of conditioned ideas in the mind. Your relationship to your own sexual energy is yours. It is between you and your God. So we would like you to begin to allow that energy to flow and to begin to write down or at least bring into your awareness the shamed and fearful ideas that it triggers because it is going to trigger them. And that is why a lot of you step away from relationships because when you meet somebody that you are attracted to and you begin to feel sexual energy, you will also feel all of those shameful and fearful ideas at the same time. So you will have not only a strong attraction to someone, but you will have a lot of fear coming up. And that is what most of you are dealing with. You are dealing with fearful conditioned ideas that are triggered by sexual energy when it arises in the body. And so you feel attracted to somebody and then you feel fear immediately afterwards. And you mistake that fear for sexual energy or the fault of sexual energy. But it is not that. It is the beliefs that you have associated it with sexual energy that are nothing to do with it, really. It is the same as being attacked by a man in a blue sweater or a woman in a blue sweater. 
and hating blue sweaters. It's got nothing to do with the blue sweater. They just happen to be present at the same time. Sexual energy and violence and hatred are often in that same kind of situation where sex and violence or sex and abuse were together and you have mistakenly intertwined those two different things and you assume that they belong together, but they do not. You must separate them and uh, you must understand that not everyone who is wearing a blue sweater is going to attack you. Well, we are smiling here because we try to bring a little bit of levity to the subject. Uh, but that is what all of you are doing who, are, who have a lot of fear around sexual energy. So it is about coming to see that violence has nothing to do with sex. Sex has nothing to do with violence. And if you have that association, then, then you, be, you need to begin to allow uh, yourself to separate those two things out. Again, we are uh, repeating ourselves, but we want you to know that the lessons of A Course in Miracles begin this process for you. They begin to allow you to go into your mind in a supervised fashion. Remember, the mind that uh, is fearful, the mind that has created all of these problems, cannot fix itself because it believes in these fears. It believes in these problems. And what you are doing when you uh, go into uh, the transformation of mind that the lessons of A Course in Miracles bring, uh, bring you is that you are going into your own mind led by Christ consciousness. That is the frequency of those lessons. That is the frequency of that book. And you are going in with love as your guide. You are not going into the ego mind with the ego as your guide. That does not work very well. The ego mind is going to say, everything is fine. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. But if you are suffering, if you are separated and uh, you would like to have more access to sexual energy and you would like to have a love relationship with someone and a physical relationship with someone, then we must go into the depth of the mind. But you can't go in there unsupervised. You can't go in there. Uh, you can't go into an insane mind with the mind that uh, created the insanity and expects things to get better. Uh, we will take a little break and give our dear one a chance for a drink of water, and we will return shortly. Okay. <laughs> they are amazing. And um, when what, what she just said made me think of Einstein's quote. Um, the mind, you know, the mind that created the problem, you cannot fix the problem with the same mind that created the problem. That I'm paraphrasing Einstein, but yeah, and that and that's what most of us do, right? We go, okay, I've got a problem here, I'm going to fix it, and we try and fix it with the same mind. We literally mm -hmm. do that, um, and and that's the treasure that for me was uh, hidden inside the Course in Miracles is that when I'm afraid, when I'm stuck in a problem. I have to ask for help, and that's, I think, what all of us need to learn to do. But it's a process because we've been taught to be incredibly independent, incredibly self-sufficient, and isolated from others. And even to surrender to spirit is something that is very difficult for for our ego-driven minds to do. So mm -hmm. this is all happening, you know, um, many years into a very long process for me, uh, but I understand from what Ananda has said and what Jesus has said is that the Course in Miracles lessons are one of the fastest ways to wake up. Even mm -hmm. though a year-long process
process seems cumbersome. But the truth of the matter is, for most of us, if we don't do something different in a year, we're going to be in a worse position. You know, we aren't going to know anything new, and we're not going to be doing anything different because we just keep trying harder with the things that we think are are going to work. But but most of the things that we do don't work. Right. You know, change. Change your mind. Change change your mind. Change your life. Yes. Yeah, it's so true, um, and it's it's so true because um, all of you know, and and you see it in every aspect of what I'm seeing it in every aspect of life, not just spirituality, but science. It's um, you see that um, you you can't we can't continue the way that we're going. There yeah. has to be a change, you know, and the change has to come. I believe you know it starts from within. Each of us starts from within, and then it, you know, it reflects on the outer world when we all collectively, one at a time, make those those changes in the well, right I direction. I think that's one of the hardest things that we are faced with because we have been taught, and our nature is to be separate. Um, that's kind of one of the fundamental problems that we're dealing with is that we chose to be separate. Uh, we've come mm-hmm. into separation, and so separation kind of is our natural state in this world mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yes. To to step towards love is really going against this desire to be separate. And I think when you right. think about, you know, um, wanting a love relationship or wanting a sexual relationship with someone, if you think about that, wow, we've come into separation to experience individuality and yet there's mm-hmm. this part of us that wants union, that wants communion. Mm-hmm. And yet we've made this world based on separation. And I think that's really why we're so confused around relationship and sexuality because we have these kind of unloving minds that like to be separate and in control and really mm-hmm. love asks you to surrender. And um, I think that's part of the journey towards more uh, healthy relationships. I mean, I'm seeing that in on in my own journey, how mm-hmm. I'm being taken on a path of surrender and, and being less combative and less argumentative and uh, quieter. These are all things that were not in my nature at all to be. Um, I'm a Sagittarius and I'm a very, you know, forceful kind of person. And when mm-hmm. it was coming from the ego, it was abrasive and difficult. Right. After mm-hmm. after studying the course and practicing to the best of my ability, what I'm seeing is that I still have the same personality, but it's had those sharper edges taken off. It's 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 a mm-hmm. different got a different kind of energy to it. I'm still very much that uh, out in the world, outspoken kind of person. But I will shut myself up now. You know, I, I there are times when I just don't say anything, and that never used to happen. I <laughs> I was always uh, very, very outspoken. I mean, I guess I have to be outspoken in some ways to do this work. You know, I can't right. be too worried what other people think of me. But exactly, yes. Um, well, the, it's, one of one of the big one of the um, wonderful messages I took, the takeaway <laughs> I took from the workshop that I attended in, um, when I met you in person down in Bethlehem was um, for, every, for every problem, 
um, the solution is love. Yeah. And I, I was like, I really, I really um, took that to heart. It's like, okay, what for every situation, for just throw more love at it, <laughs> you yeah. know. And I, and it's not always easy, but um, I've kind of always been very timid and not outspoken. Uh, actually, I think now with the radio show, I've just in the last year, I've become much more outspoken than I I ever have been, but not yeah. argumentative. So, because yeah. I I will not argue a belief system. You know, yeah. I I give everybody the right to have their own beliefs. Share your beliefs. I'll share my beliefs. We may disagree, but we don't have to argue. So, no. um, so it's uh, so I I have become more outspoken. But and the thing the the one thing that I I try to keep in my mind every moment of the day is non-judgment. Um, yeah. If my belief system is different than someone else's. Uh, I don't judge them and how they handle and how they're living their life, non-judgment. You know, so that's that's the thing I I, I work on daily. <laughs> love, yeah, and I, give more love to the situation and non-judgment. Yeah, and we have to also, and this is I think one of the fundamental things that we kind of missed in in our society is that includes us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. if. If somebody wants you to do something and you don't want to do it, you have a right to say no. And on the outside, somebody could accuse you of being unloving because you've said no. But you have to include yourself in that loving uh, self as well. So You have to to include yourself first. You have to include yourself first because you You have to love yourself first. You do. And it's not a – loving yourself first – First is not a selfish statement in the world's um, view of selfish. Um, you have nothing to give another if you don't love yourself and care for yourself and nourish yourself. You, you have nothing to give to another. So you have yeah, to take true. care of yourself first so you can give to another. It, again, this is one of those things that is very, it is very easy to say when we're just hypothetically talking about a situation. But you know mm-hmm. when your, you know when your mother-in-law invites you over to dinner on Christmas Day and you don't want to go, that's the <laughs> situation where you're like, oh okay, what's the loving thing to do here? Right. You know it's it, that's and that's where um, it's so important um, mm-hmm. to understand how we've been conditioned because right. we actually a lot of the time aren't free, and I think just to bring it back to, you know, sex and relationships again, is that um, the book that I'm writing right now is about love. And so uh, Mm -hmm. Jesus and Ananda are going into the subject uh, again and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. in in different and deeper ways. But they're talking about, for example, how men and women are conditioned in our society. And so Mm -hmm. you may have a feeling to do something, but be powerfully conditioned to do the opposite. Right. And that's when we become very, very conflicted and we become very, very upset because the mind doesn't know which is the right thing to do. Right. And generally, we will follow the conditioning. And and part of this journey into spirit and part of this journey into love is honoring yourself and saying, actually, I don't mm-hmm. want to go over to dinner on Christmas Day there and I'm not going to go. 
because mm-hmm. I don't want to. And mm-hmm. that's when the conditioned training of your society really begins to show itself when you right. start breaking when you start breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. As long as you're yeah. as long as you're following the rules, you won't really notice it. But as soon right. as you start breaking the rules, and that's where um, the training of men and women is very, very polarized. It's very, very egoic and uh, right. very, very body focused. And that's uh, what this book is about. It's about really bringing into your conscious mind how trained we are, uh, for example, to be sacrificing or self-sacrificing mm. in relationship. Yes. And that's why a lot of women... Yeah, like to stay women. single because when they get into a relationship, they find themselves losing themselves and they're like, what is going on here? Um, mm-hmm. And what's really happening is the conditioning that you've had of how to behave in a relationship is kicking in when it, 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 it isn't kicking in when you're single. So you, it doesn't look like it's there. But right. when you get in a relationship and then you find, you're like, holy cow, why am I cooking dinner every night? I don't want to cook dinner every night. But that's right. how you've been trained. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's playing out a lot in love relationships. In, in relationships, yes. Yeah. And we, You'll find we have women, a... women are, oh. are choosing, just to finish the thought, women mm-hmm. are choosing to be single rather than being a traditional wife. It's no longer in alignment with what they want, and they would prefer to have their freedom. The mistake they're making is thinking that it's the man who's putting them in prison when in actual fact it's the conditioning in their own mind that's putting them in prison. Exactly. The exactly. training have a, is in us. Uh-huh. This is true. Yeah. We have a caller from um the seven seven five area code. Um so we'll take a take a call right now. Hold okay. On. Okay. All right. Okay, caller, seven seven five area code, you are on the air. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Hello. Who are we who who are we speaking to? Um, my name is Kelsey. I am just calling as I was sitting here listening to the radio show and I'm actually Hi Tina, nice to talk Hi. to you. Hi. Um, I was actually just thought I'd call in. I had a couple questions and um I have I've actually been following you for, for quite some time now, Tina and you and Ananda and Jesus and I just wanted to first and foremost send my utmost gratitude as earlier this year I personally awakened as a trance channel and Wonderful. Um, yeah, it it was I went through the Kundalini experience too and um it was definitely interesting for sure and <laughs> I, I just wanted to yeah um send my gratitude your way as when it first started, I guess, you know, as once I realized I was a channel. Um I had spoke to Jesus probably the first or second night that I kind of like truly awakened as it. And um, if it wasn't for your videos that you posted on YouTube, I probably wouldn't have realized that I was not crazy. Right. (laughs) Um, Because within the first couple days I kept, it was probably your first initial video. I kept um, thinking about clean eating and healthy eating and, Pretty much the video that you posted, we had both spoke to Jesus on the exact same day, and um, it was exactly in line with what, you know, I had been thinking of for previous days, and 
And I do the same thing, too. I channel a group of beings, you know, and they have a name as well. Um, So I just wanted to send my utmost gratitude to you for what you do because your videos truly help me along my path. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. Yes, yes. Um, But I did kind of have a question that I don't know, maybe you personally could answer or Ananda. Um, So right now I'm kind of going through something, and unfortunately my guides really aren't available. And I know I'm not sure how familiar you are with, like, dimensions personally um, versus realms and so on. But I was wondering if you or Ananda would be able to answer a question for me in regards to... Um, you know, I have a large amount of guides. Their name is Arjanak. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them, you know, has kind of lost their way and kind of keeps bringing me down a negative path. Um, I don't know if you could channel Ananda for me or whatnot and maybe see if they can give advice in regards to, you know, how you cope with that situation when you have so you ha- a guide. So you have a guide that is, uh, in a, bringing a negative frequency through? Yes, yes, very much so. Okay. And it's been going on for quite some time now, and I just I don't really know how to cope with it. <laughs> okay, so um, I have a question. Uh, so were you doing anything actively to bring on your uh, spiritual awakening? Were you asking for communication? Were you seeking it um, out? I mean, I've always known that I was a medium, so I've always kind of been on a spiritual path. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, I went through a really bad breakup and all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh-huh. um, it kind of, like, my kundalini awakening and me awakening as a channel and also a telepath and everything happened all, like, in the deepest, darkest moment of my life. Okay. And... um so, you know, things are going pretty good right now, but unfortunately I have this one guy who just keeps coming through, and I know that they're a part of Arjanak. I know that they are one of my spirit guides and so on and so forth, um, but unfortunately they, you know, I just didn't know. I've talked to many other spirit who, you know, has a guy who's maybe like not on the most righteous path or not as in line with love. Okay, well, um, what I think what I think um, is going on here is that you know this idea of a reflective universe happens with our guides and teachers as well. And when Ananda came through, they said that one of the reasons that that the high frequency work was coming through was because of the study of the Course in Miracles and diminishing my ego. So the Course mm-hmm. in Miracles is very is a very intense focused practice of forgiveness and love uh, for self and other. And what they said to me was that for a lot of people, they have a Kundalini awakening. And when they haven't done this preparatory work, that the fears and judgments and uh, negativities are actually magnified by the Kundalini awakening. So very much... Whatever you are is magnified by kundalini energy. So they are very, very um, respective of it, and they ask us to be very, very respective of it. They ask us to make sure that we clarify the mind and the ego as much as we can before Mm -hmm. we go into this kind of practice. 
So that would be my advice is to, um, if you haven't already, to begin A Course in Miracles. It is a high-frequency Christ consciousness uh, frequency. Yes, I was really looking into it after, you know, you spoke of it this evening and then, you know, through a few of your videos and whatnot. And it it was actually something I had first heard about through you. Um, So um, one of the things that happens to people uh, often when they have a spontaneous Kundalini awakening is that they have a lot of negative things come up. And that's what's Mm -hmm. happening. The things that haven't been dealt with. Uh, so, for example, you said this kundalini awakening happened at a very dark time in your life. That's an indicator there that you've got some work to do to get your frequency up out of the realms of where this guy's negativity is. So it's it's showing you something about your interior world. So it, it's not about being fearful. It's about being educated. And knowing that everything that acts, so what Ananda has said to me, for example, is they will only let high frequency beings through speak through me. They're like my gatekeepers. But exactly. It's, but it's because I set the tone by doing the Course in Miracles lessons. Okay. So I set so the that tone was kind of, of my gate. I set I set the tone of my consciousness by doing those lessons. Okay. Okay, that's actually tremendously helpful because I would say the majority of my guides of Arjunak are truly absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, it's just this one, and and I would say the vast majority of the group, you know, of of my beings that I channel and work with, are are wonderful, and they they try to keep them out as much as they can. And I understand that, you know, they are all beings and they are all people, just as we are, you know. Um, unfortunately, it gets a little hard when, you know, one of them is on the wrong path. And I yeah, didn't well, know that's you all, have... all that one. So what, so what I think the answer is here is to, is to say there are aspects of me that are being shown to me. Everything's your consciousness being shown to you. That's what mm-hmm. this world is, in, whether it's in the physical material world, the emotional world, or the spiritual world. Everything is us being shown to us. So this is an aspect of you. So now begin to look at what is the quality of the spirit. Is it fear mongering? Mm-hmm. Is it um, is it attacking? Is it uh, uh, what kind of energy is it bringing through? And then are, you're asking me specifically. Yeah. What is this one guy that is um, upsetting you? What is what is the what is the frequency? What is it saying that is? I would. I would say it's not very good, and you have to mind me for crying because as a channel, these are not really my tears. Um, So I would say they're, you know, they keep going back and forth. And for me personally in my life, like I act with love and I walk with God and all that I do. With this person, this specific guy, they keep going back and forth. Sometimes they are very attacking and they are very negative. They try to bring about fear a lot. Yeah. Um, but then in the other token, like they they keep going back and forth. Like they want to act with love and they'll go a couple days and be very kind and nice and kind of leave me alone and then they'll come back in full okay. force. Um, so I think what, yeah, to me, this is what I, that's what I would do. I would take a break. I would take a little break and I would go about focusing on 
beginning the lessons of A Course in Miracles. And I, and I only suggest this because this is what Ananda has told me made okay. my Kundalini awakening so uh, problem-free. And, and they told me that this is why high-frequency beings are coming through me because of this book. So because it really just kind of set you up for... It set oh, me like, up. It, it, yeah. It set absolutely. me in a very high-frequency place, and it made me look... See, the thing is, we will say things like, I'm God-focused, and I'm, I walk the path of love. But when we actually go into our minds and through the Course in Miracles lessons, we begin to um, pay attention throughout the day to what we are thinking, what comes very, very clear to most people in a very short time is that there's a lot of fear in our minds that we're very, oh, very unaware absolutely. of. And so, that's, you know, something I've always looked at, you know, on the grand scheme of things or the spectrum, you know, there's love and then there's fear, love being the highest vibration and fear being the lowest. Yes, and I fear, is our, fear is generated by us. Fear does not come of its own volition. Fear is mm-hmm. generated by untrue ideas in our own minds. So that's where the work is. You have to get the fear generating beliefs out of your mind and the only way for you to do that initially is to see them in the first place to mm-hmm. to learn where they're coming from and then to develop a spiritual practice to disempower them and that's really what the uh, forgiveness practice of the course in miracles is designed to do it's designed to remove the fear from your mind and and my gut tells me that that's what you're being shown here this lower frequency guide is in alignment with some part of you and you have to take the responsibility to raise your frequency through this kind of diligent forgiveness, uh, diligent practice. That's very helpful. Thank you. So like basically you're saying, you know, if I kind of can, because I think I know where this fear that they're feeding off of is coming from. If I can kind of overcome that and go beyond that, do you think that, you know, even though I love the vast majority of my guides and I, I will always act with love for this person, you know, because obviously if I choose the opposite, that's not going to be good. Um, but if I can kind of, like, overcome that simple fact, do you think that it will kind of shed them from my life or from well, continuing to, like, like, focus um, their negative energy on me? If you look back in your life and you look at times when you've either been, you know, you've had abusive people around you or, or people that, that, you know, you don't enjoy their company, and if we understand mm-hmm. that this is a reflective universe, as we mm-hmm. shift our frequency, those people will drop away from us. As we're more okay. loving, those friendships and relationships drop away from us, and it's, I don't believe it's any different in the spirit world. I think yeah. when you raise your frequency those things that are no longer of a compatible frequency with you are not going to be able to contact you. And that's what Ananda has told me is the case. You never have to fear lower frequency consciousness. You just have to get your consciousness out of that lower frequency. Thank you. That is so extremely helpful, just those words right there. So I, I do appreciate your advice very, very much so. Okay. Thank you for phoning and, uh, you know, I uh, had a very negative experience in my childhood with spiritualism uh, and negative consciousness coming into 
uh, my home, we would have uh, seances on Saturday night in my house when I was a kid. And uh, we actually had to sort of have an exorcism. And it really frightened me. So I, I understand the feeling. I know the feeling. And I think that seeing how that that negative energy was attracted because we were careless and we were untrained and untutored, that made me very, very vigilant as I went into this. Uh, I, I yeah. became very meticulous. Um, it's sort of like, you know, making sure that, Every, you know, if you're in a tropical climate, that you you're not careless with food, that you keep it in the fridge. You become very, exactly. very meticulous because you know that if you're not meticulous, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get food poisoning. Mm-hmm. Kind of spirit work is, you know, we have to be meticulous with our own frequency, and this is what their big push is with these teachings. Is we live in a world of blame and. Uh, a belief that there are other things out there, but really the only thing out there is a reflection of you and your experience is telling you right now, your experience is telling you that you've got some low frequency beliefs and that that's an access point for this other consciousness coming in. So you have to look at where your greatest fears are and where your resentments are and where you have forgiveness work to do. And, uh, I would take some time to do that work and not see it as a waste of time or a delay, but very, very Mm -hmm. much you being meticulous with your frequency so that you are eliminating any opportunities uh, for negativity to come in there. But you have to get the negativity out of your own consciousness. That's the only way really to make sure that you're holding a frequency that they can't access. That sounds absolutely right on, and I will I will actually start looking into that. And I was doing some work today, and then I came across my radio show today, and I was like, all right, maybe this will help me, and this will kind okay. of get me on the path. So I appreciate your words so very much, Tina, and I hope you have a wonderfully blessed night. Okay, thanks so much. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. You thank, too. Thank you, for, thank you so much for calling in, sweetie. Okay. Absolutely. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, it's so so true what you were saying, Tina. Um, the fear. This I I recently wrote a blog entitled "Fear is How We Give Our Power Away." Yeah. Um Not not just in the physical. Uh, for me, there is no separation between spirit and and, and physical. It's all mm-hmm. one. We're, we're mm-hmm. all one, and um, we it is a reflective. Um, what we experience when we leave when we transition from this um, material world, we're going to experience our, still our reflection, what we're creating. We create right. here in the material world and we create in the spiritual world. And I wrote, um, it was after the bombing or something happened, and I can't give you details of what happened because I don't watch news. But something happened on the <laughs> something happened on the west coast, and something happened in France first, and then a few weeks later, something happened on the west coast. And that's all I can tell you because I don't watch news. But it was a lot of people were even on that's the right. blogs and and on on the online people were talking about fear, fear, fear. And so I it inspired me to write a blog saying fear is the only way we give our power away. We are yeah. all powerful. And when we are in a state of fear, that's the, we're we're giving our, our we're willingly giving our power away, and that's what the news media 
the powers that be that own the media, mainstream media, they want to keep us in a state of fear, and it's intentional. And um, exactly what you were saying to the young lady, it's some, she, has, she has some low-frequency fear that is attracting this um, entity that is yeah. um, ca- causing her this distress. So... Yeah. Um, and it's but no like different, there, you know, when we, if somebody is not interested in spirit and they're not uh, engaging in that world, then their low frequency things are going to show up in the form of, you know, twisted ankles and accidents mm-hmm. and people yelling at them. Uh, it's going and to come in many different forms. But when you're yeah. in the world of spirit, you almost have to be more vigilant because, you know, as mm-hmm. Amanda said, if your frequency is low, don't. Don't play in this realm. It's not something that you want to do. Not to cause people to be afraid of spirit. That's really um, part of the problem with spirituality is that people have been told, never go there. You're going to have a bad experience. But what Amanda is saying is, we want you to go there, but we want you to raise your frequency first because you Mm -hmm. don't want to tap into low-frequency consciousness. I mean, when I look at the beautiful material that's coming through from Ananda and Jesus, I don't want anything lower than that coming through my consciousness. Let me tell you, I'm really happy (laughs) that that's what I'm experiencing. But as they said, that happened because of my very diligent pursuit of uh, this forgiveness practice. And really, judgment is is the big issue, Um, we don't, you know, we don't realize how judgmental we are. Most of mm. us think, oh, you know, I'm not that judgmental. But we're in a constant state of judging against things all the time. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's someone who pulls in front of us in a car or whether we look in the mirror and judge or whether we uh, avoid a phone call from someone, you know, we're judging them in that moment, deciding, oh, I'm not going to pick that up. Um <laughs> You know, we're in a constant state of judgment, and uh, that's the gift that doing these lessons, and and like you're in the early stages of these lessons now, um, Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to begin to see as your mind is trained, because that's exactly what it's going to do. It's going to train your Mm -hmm. mind out of fear and judgment into love. And even Mm -hmm. when we have understandings of concepts, what we have to do is have have an experience of a new way of being so we can say i understand the concept of oneness but what are you going to do when you go out into the parking lot and someone has smashed into your car Uh how are you going to act in that circumstance and we actually need to be trained to be able to bring uh, acceptance or love into a circumstance like that rather than rage and and you know and that's Uh really why they're so repetitive with this getting on the lessons business. And I know it's uh, it's not what people uh, want to hear because a lot of people had the same experience as you with Course in Miracles. Uh, but I think that's why they're, they're bringing these other books through because they're introducing a lot of, uh, they're introducing a lot of uh, unity consciousness concepts. That's what the course uh-huh. is. It's a non-dualistic teaching, which right. means, which means that there's not good and evil. There is only love, but you're either blocking it or you're in tune with it. That's Mm -hmm. all there is. So um, anything Mm -hmm. that you would consider bad is a lack of love. Anything that Mm -hmm. you consider good is love. 
So that's Correct. the non-dualistic uh, way of looking at things. And so what they're saying is our natural state is love, but we've blocked it, and that's what we're doing. We're removing the blocks to our awareness of love's presence. And I think, you know, once again, to bring it back to the subject of relationship and sexuality, if uh-huh. we want a loving relationship, we have to remove the hatred from our mind. And nobody else can do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. So to have true intimacy and true love, we have to do the work on ourselves and uh, remove those judgments from our minds. Very true. Very true. And like like you're saying, in situations, in everyday situations, living oneness, that's kind of where my focus is. (laughs) It's yeah. it's tricky. It is, it's but tricky. it 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 it's it's not it's tricky, but not impossible. Because I just from moment to moment, I will m- remind myself. I mean, I've had on on the line in a grocery store, I had a lady just cuss curse at a, a, a complete stranger, curse me out because she thought I was moving too slow, <laughs> and I just had to I just had to. I, I looked, um, the cashier looked at her and said, so looked at her like she was crazy. I just looked at her. I didn't, I don't curse or anything like that, so I didn't respond that. She's actually ca- cursing me out because she thinks I'm moving too slow. And this is a complete stranger. So I just had to take a couple of deep breaths. And when yep. I paid, I finished paying the cashier. And then I said, you have a nice day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I had to, you know, I had to respond with her cursing at me with kindness. I just, you know, and I, yep. I know that that freaked her out. But <laughs> it's not an easy thing, but that is something that we do. We have to do on a moment by, I don't even say day by day. I think moment, oh, it's moment by, by moment. moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. I mean, even moment. something like, um, even something like rushing out the door, thinking you're late, uh, that, yeah. that has to be looked at. Why am I, why am I rushing? What do I think is going to happen if I'm, um, a few minutes later than I am now. Oh, that's fear. Uh, and generally, we don't look at things that way. Well, if it's fear, mm-hmm. then it's not love. In rushing, mm-hmm. I'm being unloving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, right. you know, even, even I say untrusting. I always say untrusting. everything happens in the perfect time. So when I get there, it's the perfect time. So I, yeah. I have gotten, especially if I'm driving, I don't rush. So, yeah. But I have gotten to... Stop rushing. I'm like, no, I'm not going to rush. I'll get there when I get there, and it'll be the perfect time. Yeah, so perfect, it yeah. is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the hardest part is the the whole idea of, of you know when when the reflections of the world come back to us in the form of other beings. That's the hardest mm-hmm. thing because yes. when someone rages at you, what the yes. world, what what the universe is asking you to look at is where are where do you have rage? Exactly. So exactly. it's asking, and most of us say, well, I don't have any rage. And if we meet rageful people, then we do. Mm-hmm. That's what we it's have somewhere. to look at. It's somewhere. Yes. It's, it's either repressed or hidden or denied. And uh, that's the other half mm-hmm. of the forgiveness practice is you mm-hmm. don't attack back. And then you go, where am I rageful? Where am exactly. I doing that? Do I do that? And exactly. it can be internally. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be overt, 
but you can, you know, we can be raging at ourselves internally uh-huh. with hateful thoughts, for example. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. always whenever exactly. it's being reflected back to us. And I think ultimately that's the kind of the point of this book is that yes. to heal our sexual dysfunctions and our relationships, we have to become more loving people. And how do we do that? First of all, we have to look at where we're unloving. And the truth of the matter is that most of us are unloving silently inside our right. heads with unloving yes. thoughts and ideas. Towards ourselves. That's Towards that's ourselves true. or yeah. other people, but we are very unaware of it. And uh, mm-hmm. we claim to be loving, but when you go on the uh, Course in Miracles journey, you begin to see some very strange things inside the mind. Um, But, you know, it's better to have them out and in. Yes, and we have come down to the wire. And I know how blog talk radio will work. It will just shut us off, even though we're talking. So we're down to the last few seconds. I do like, I thank you so much for being with us. And you will be back with us next week. We will be talking about your second book. Um, And why can't I think of the name of it right now? Great minds speak to you. Yes, great minds speak to you. That will be the topic next week with with Tina. So thank you, Tina, and you have a great weekend, and enjoy the rest of the weekend and and the rest of your night. It's much earlier there where you are in Canada. Yeah, it's only 6 o'clock, yeah. Oh, thank you. But thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I will be talking to you next week. Okay, thanks again for having me. It's a blast. I can't believe that was two hours. That's crazy. Love you. (laughs) Okay, I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.